0: Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Stevens Creek. Welcome to everybody watching in Grovetown and South Campus and online. Man, you guys look so rested with that extra hour of sleep. And for those of you who didn't change your clocks and you think you're at the noon service, welcome to you as well. Um, We're glad that you guys are here. It's gonna be a great day. We're kicking off a brand new series about the armor of God. And you know it's gonna be a good day when you've got a mannequin dressed in football gear standing on stage with you. This is Carl. He is our Stevens Creek mannequin. You've seen Carl's other work in modeling the Stevens Creek t-shirts and hats. Today we got him in football gear because football pads are kind of a modern day equivalent of, of armor, of like the, the ancient Roman armor that would have been seen everywhere that Paul was referring to. But just like everyone in the ancient world would have understood a picture of what armor was, football pads are kind of that modern equivalent. Even if you're not a football fan, you've got an idea of what this is, right? You, you've seen a helmet, you've seen shoulder pads, you have an idea of what it's there to protect. And if you're a visual learner like me, then this might help as we get rolling. We're gonna be in Ephesians chapter six in just a little bit, if you wanna to get a head start and turn there. But we're gonna talk about armor and shields and swords and all this, this imagery from that ancient world. And speaking of swords, did you guys hear the story about the guy who got in a sword fight and, uh, and he swung and he missed the other guy? And he hit his own foot and he he chopped off a couple of his toes. So it was a rough day. And then he, he went home to his wife and she was like, hey, honey, how was the sword fight? And he was like, well, it wasn't great. You know, not only did I miss the other guy, I hit my foot and I made a mess of things. Here, take my shoe off and you'll see. So she took his shoe off and unwrapped the bandage. And sure enough, he's missing two toes. She goes, that's terrible. He says, I know. And she goes, and what's even worse is now I have to divorce you. He said, why in the world would you divorce me? just because I'm missing a few toes. She said, I've always told you this about me. I'm lactose intolerant. So so dumb. You don't have to laugh at that. You you don't have to laugh at that. (laughs) Oh, dad jokes. They're the best. All right, before we dive in, let me ask you guys a a question So we're setting up this armor of God theme. You ever notice that that wearing certain things kind of just make you feel feel a certain way. Like when you dress up nice to go out on the town, you just, you feel more confident, right? There's something about that. It's Deion Sanders, Coach Prime even said so. He said, you know, when you dress good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. And when you play good, they pay good, right? It's words to live by. But whatever, whatever you're wearing, it, it impacts how you feel. I think about when I put a tie on, and I don't wear ties very often, because as soon as I put a tie on, I just naturally, I feel kind of sad. And the reason why I feel sad is it's subconsciously, my mind and my body is getting ready for a funeral. Most of the time when I put on a tie, it's to go to a funeral. And so now I've noticed that if I'm putting on a tie for another occasion, all of a sudden, I kind of have this wave of sadness hit me as soon as the necktie's on because wearing certain things makes you feel a certain way. When I was in college, I worked night shift at a factory for a couple summers and I had to wear these steel-toed boots to work at this factory and I can still remember the, the weight of those boots on my feet, as soon as I would lace them up and I would feel the weight of those shoes, I was, I was in work mode, because it's the only time I ever wore those shoes was to go to work. So the moment they were on my feet, I was, I was just ready for work, because wearing certain things makes you feel a certain way. And sometimes what we wear is invisible. Things like sunscreen. When I put on sunscreen, as soon as it hits my skin, as soon as the smell of it hits my nostrils, I'm ready for the beach. I'm ready to be outside in chill mode. And sometimes we're wearing things that are invisible but still protect us. And that's really what the armor of God is. Like sunscreen, it's invisible. Like sunscreen, it protects us, but it protects us from a lot more than just harmful UV rays. No, the armor of God is there to protect us and equip us for all of life's battles. And it's something that every single Christian is called to put on. In fact, one of the most important things that you need to wear every day is something that you cannot see with the naked eye. It's an, it's an armor that God wants you to wear to be ready and equipped for all the battles that life's gonna throw at you. And all of us have experienced battles. In fact, all of us are experiencing battles right now. And we're gonna learn today how we can face those battles with more confidence. So before we jump into Ephesians chapter six, if you're following along in the notes, the very first principle is this, and that's that God has already given us everything we need to win life's spiritual battles. The apostle Paul who who wrote this letter to the Ephesians with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, he's writing to his friends. He's writing to his friends in a town called Ephesus in the, in the ancient world, Roman occupation. There's Roman soldiers everywhere. He understood that they all would know what a Roman soldier looked like. Paul himself knew firsthand what a Roman soldier looked like because Paul, when he wrote this letter, was under house arrest in Rome where he would eventually be executed and he was had Roman soldiers there guarding him. So he saw this gear every single day. And he's like, I want you to, when you see these these guys walking around and you see that armor or something you see all the time, I want it to spark in your mind the reminder that God has equipped you and I for a battle. Not a a battle that's going to happen on a physical battlefield, but a battle that actually is more important, something that has eternal significance, that we need to be ready for all the battles that are gonna come our way. And he starts out this this section, which is at the very end of the letter to this church with these words, which they kind of have the weight of feeling like, and this is maybe one of the most important things I wanna tell you guys. Maybe the last time you're gonna hear from me and I want you to get this. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, Paul's not talking here about like superstition and and like, you know, spooky things. He's saying though, there's a very real battle happening around us that we can't see with our eyes. And, and the unbelieving world, they think that all that this world is is what they can see with their eyes. But, but the real reality is something much deeper than that. Jesus came to, to expose that greater spiritual reality. And now, now Paul's pointing back to that. He's saying that the battles that we're gonna face our temptations, the battles we're gonna face are from the attacks of our very real enemy, Satan, who is not a guy wearing red tights and a pitchfork. No, he's, he's a deceiver and a distractor. And what he's trying to do more than anything, even though he has no real power over you as a Christian, he'll do whatever he can to get, you, to get you too busy and too stressed to receive God's peace, to get you distracted, to get you divided, divided with your spouse, divided in your family, divided within your church instead of unified the way that God wants us to get you to to trip up and fall into temptation that's gonna hold you back from experiencing all that God has for you. So Paul's reminding us, those are the battles we're up against. And it's not just for ourselves, but we've gotta go out into this world. There's a whole world that's fighting that battles and they don't have knowledge of Jesus yet. They don't even know they're in the battle. So we're not just about protecting ourselves. We're about going out into the world and letting the world around us know that God has a better plan for them. And Paul's reminding us, those people who think different than you do and act different than you do, and even those people who hate you, they're not the enemy. Your enemy's not against flesh and blood. Your, your enemy is against those distractions, those temptations, those evil forces that are trying to get those people and us as well distracted from all God has for us because God wants us, he wants us to live the life that he has for us. And to do that, we've got to be ready for the, the battles that this life is going to bring. So how do we get ready for that battle? How do we dress for that battle. Now he's going to tell us specifically what that armor of God is. And the, the next principle is this, this, to set this up. Winning our battles requires properly preparing for battle. Like if you're going to go on, onto a football field, you wouldn't go without first learning the plays, right? And doing conditioning and being part of the team and, and getting the right gear on. And in the same way, we can't go into to life's battles completely unequipped and unprepared. And so Paul tells us how to put on this armor finally. He says, Therefore, I want you to put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. So stand your ground then, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So from head to toe, we're prepared, we're equipped for battles. And what's he saying? So like coming back to to Carl here to get kind of the football imagery, you know, he's saying you got to put on a helmet, you got to protect your head. And when he says put on a helmet of, of salvation, he's not saying protect physically your skull like this helmet would do. But he's saying, protect your thought life, protect what's coming into your ears, protect the thoughts that you're dwelling on. Our, our greatest enemy sometimes is right between our ears, right? When we get caught in negativity, when we get caught in these cycles of anger or, or frustration, it's because we're dwelling on the wrong thoughts. Those negative thoughts don't come from God. Those negative thoughts don't even, don't even come from you because nobody chooses negative thoughts it's the, it's the it's this world this broken world that we're that we're in. It's always putting these negative thoughts out there. It's every time you turn on the news. It's every time you're just out in the world, and then our mind grabs a hold of them and worry sets in. And worry is what happens when we lose sight of the fact that God's in control and we start thinking it's all up to us and our own strength. And none of us can carry that kind of weight. And so Paul's saying, have have that helmet on. And this helmet isn't to like close off your mind because Christians should be the most forward thinking people on the planet, the most creative people on the planet, but he 's saying you 've got to protect your mind from all of the noise, all of the all the negativity that 's out there and again that doesn 't mean you don 't pay attention to the fact that there are real struggles happening. We should know I think what 's happening in the world and in the news. we should be praying specifically for for the wars, we should be praying for what 's going on in, in Israel and Palestine right now. We should be doing what we can to be part of bringing peace everywhere that we can bring peace as ministers of the gospel of Jesus who calls us to be peacemakers, but we should also have the peace of knowing that that God is in control and he's gonna work all things out for his ends. And so we don't have to watch the news in despair. We can watch the news with the hope. We can see what's happening in the world around us with the hope of knowing, you know what? God is gonna work this out. And Lord, show me the part that you've called me to play in this. In my family, in my community, in my home, with some of these bigger global issues, if you call me to be part of that. But ultimately, God, help me to have peace. Because He doesn't want His children unable to sleep at night, tossing and turning with worry and fret and anxiety. He wants us to come to Him saying, Lord, there's so much out in the world that I don't understand. There are struggles that are too big for me to wrap my head around. But God, I'm asking you to give me peace, to give me perspective to let me know how to respond in a healthy way. Help me wear that helmet of salvation where I put everything that comes into my mind through the filter of the fact that Jesus has saved me. That's the helmet of salvation. I've been saved by Jesus. He's paid the price for my sins. I'm gonna be with him forever. Heaven is my final home. And every thought that comes into my, into my mind in this life, I wanna put it through that filter so that I can see it clearly, and if I'm thinking about stuff outside of that, if I'm taking that helmet off and I forget who I am and I forget what Jesus has done for me, then none of the thoughts are gonna be clear. So you gotta have the helmet of salvation. He says, have, have the body armor of righteousness, or in many translations, it says the breastplate of righteousness. The Romans would have this, this, this metal that would fit over their torso to protect their vital organs from battle. And Paul's saying, just like they're protecting their vital organs, we, we've gotta guard our heart. The Bible says in Proverbs, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guarding your heart doesn't mean walling yourself off from being open-hearted toward other people where you become bitter or cold or rigid. Guarding your heart means, though, that you're, you're very, you're wise in the way that you, you follow your feelings. Because the world says follow your heart, your heart's always right, follow your feelings, and that's just dumb, right? I mean, it, that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. God says your, your feelings are lied to you. Your heart can be deceitful. So, train your heart to follow Jesus because Jesus is always headed in the right direction. And so, we got to guard our heart. We have to sometimes lead our feelings. And we lead our feelings by basing it all on on the truth of God's word. God, if my feelings disagree with what you say in your word, then then it's my feelings that are wrong. And help me have the the humility and the maturity to be able to admit that. And God, lead my feelings when they're wrong. So, you got to protect your heart. Got to protect your chest, just like the, uh, the Romans did. Speaking of, 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 of protecting the chest, um, so this happened, this happened a few weeks ago, and I just need to share it with somebody. So I'm, I'm laying in bed one night, getting ready for bed, and Ashley, my amazing wife, you know, she reaches over, puts her hand on my chest, and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. you are going to cuddle. It's so nice. And then she starts, like, rubbing my chest, and I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> But then I, I quickly realized this was not a romantic rub. She was like poking and grabbing. And I'm like, not, not, in, a, not in, a, in, a, in a nice way. I'm like, what are you doing? And then she said, you know, men can get breast cancer too. She was giving me a man boob exam. Like, that's the least romantic thing that's ever happened to me. Right? That is a quick turn from something I thought was going to be really positive to something that I'm still having to talk to a therapist about. Like, I mean, it's nothing to do with the sermon. I just needed to tell somebody about that. So, no, she was looking out for me. Oh, anyway, what was I talking about? All right. Yeah. So, protect your heart. What else did Paul tell us? He said, ready your feet with the shoes that come from the gospel of peace. So, the Roman soldiers' shoes were the inspiration for modern-day athletic cleats. They, had, they were the first soldiers to have spikes on the bottom of their shoes. And those spikes on the bottom of their shoes, just like athletic cleats, they give you footing in, in, in a world where, where the ground can be uneven and unsteady. They help you stand your ground. And Paul is telling us that, that's what the gospel does. That's what God's word does. That, that when, when God's word, God's plan is what's directing our steps, when we're following God's game plan instead of just our own whims, it gives us footing, it gives us cleats. It helps us stand firm against all of the, the negativity that's trying to knock us off track or trying to, trying to get us to make compromises. It helps us to advance forward when God calls us to gain ground. And we've gotta have those kind of those shoes on our feet. If you run on the field barefoot, even if you got everything else going on, you're, you're never going to have the traction that God wants you to have. So you got to know God's word and you got you to be able to live God's word. He talks about the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, that God's word is our one weapon in this battle. I'm not going to dwell on that today because the, the last sermon in this series is all about that, is about how God's word is our sword and what that means. That's week four. Week three the shield of faith, I'm going to, you know, we're going to focus on that. So I'll just say this about the shield. The Roman soldiers had two different kinds of shields. There was a small round shield that they would kind of hold with the hand that was, that was more for, you know, close combat. And then there was a large shield that covered them essentially from head to toe. And this large shield was built to interlock with the shields of the soldiers standing on the right and the left. Meaning that when you interlocked that shield with the people next to you, it created a wall like an impenetrable barrier that is the word that's the shield that Paul was describing in the original language not the little shield the big shield he's saying have a big shield of faith it guards you from head to toe the one thing about that shield is it's meant to interlock with others as our faith is as well we we live in a world where people say no you know your faith is just your thing and your truth is your truth and you don't need to you don't need to go to church to be a christian and all that and That's really incongruent with everything the New Testament teaches us about faith. What the Bible teaches us is, yes, faith is a very personal decision, but it's never meant to be private. It has to be lived out in relationship. We need each other. We're all parts of one body, the body of Christ. And if you chop, you know, my my finger chopped off by itself is of no good to anybody, right? It only has use because it's part of the hand, which is part of the arm, which is part of the body. And you and I it's it's the same we're all parts of the same body we're brothers and sisters in the same family and and when we're separated off from one another we can never fully live out all that god has for us to do we we just we can't that's why i'm so glad that you're here that's why i'm so glad you're making time for this but even beyond just just being in a room worshiping together god wants us in relationship he wants us where we can be accountable to each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, eat with each other, laugh with each other, know what's happening in each other's lives, um, help see each other's blind spots. That's the shields that interlock, that, that we're doing this together. In football terms, it'd be like the offensive line in front of you. If this guy's the quarterback, the shield of faith is the five guys out front who weigh 350 pounds each of solid muscle that are interlocked, making sure that nobody can get through. They're there to protect and Paul's saying that's, that's what faith is meant to do. And faith is so much more than just belief. And, and in week three, we're gonna talk about what faith is and what faith isn't and how to, how to live it out the right way. And then the one other aspect of the, the armor of God that Paul mentioned, he called it the, the belt of truth. In fact, he lists it first and you can read right over it because you're like, belt, that doesn't sound that exciting, right? It's, you don't even really need a belt. You know, football players, they just got that little like string belt. It's not even a big part of the deal, but in Roman armor, the belt was huge because the belt is what fastened the whole breastplate in place. It's where the sheath was located to store your sword. There was a clip on the other side to store your shield, and it's also what provided security. It had had attached to it security for your most vulnerable region of all. In fact, Paul, in, in some translations, it lists out the belt of faith by it saying, gird up your loins with the belt that comes from truth. In other words, he's reminding them that the belt, guys, protects you where you're actually most vulnerable, right? And truth is the same way. And I think it's, it's not a coincidence that, you know, you know Paul's referring to, to the groin area here along with truth because Satan, when truth is absent, the first places that he'll bring confusion and attack are in areas related to sex, sexuality, and gender. And this is not a new thing. And this is not a political thing. This has been going on forever. This has always been part of Satan's game plan. And he's writing, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, which was a community in a city that was known for, for just sexual exploration and depravity. In fact, the, the goddess of the Ephesians was a false goddess named Artemis, and the temples of Artemis in ancient Ephesus were places that were a celebration of, of worship through through sexual expression. There were there were prostitutes at these temples. Um, there was anything that you can imagine. And so when Paul is writing to these new Christians who came out of that world, out of that world where there's a lot of sexual confusion and a lot of confusion around ideas of of gender and what sex is supposed to look like, and he's reminding them who they are in Christ and saying, God has such a plan for you. And this one area is going to stand out maybe more so than any other areas of your life as you're walking with Jesus, how you're going to look differently than the broken culture around you. This is the one area where where Satan's gonna try to bring you the most temptation, where he's gonna try to bring the most confusion. And I want you to remember that God has created you and your bodies are sacred. And that gift of sex is a sacred gift intended for marriage between a man and a woman for life. And you're in a community that celebrates all different kinds of things that are outside of God's plan, which are ultimately gonna bring hurt and ultimately gonna get you off track. And so don't fall back into that. And you've got to stand for truth even when the culture around you is mocking you for it, persecuting you for it, tempting you to do something differently. And now 2,000 years later, 21st century American Christians think it's the same. Satan's game plan hasn't really changed. He's still trying to attack truth in the same kinds of ways. And we still need to stand for truth in the same the same kind of ways. So coming back to this this armor and football pad analogy. I want to dispel one quick myth before we move on with the scripture. I think one myth within the church is that if we're doing everything right, if we're wearing all of the right football pads, if we're wearing the armor of God, it means we're never going to get hurt. We're never going to get wounded. We're never going to get disappointed. Our kids are always going to make good choices. Everything's going to work out the way that it should. And that's just simply not how life works, is it? In fact, all of us, every person in this room, is is wounded right now in some way. All of us, everybody in this room, is carrying some kind of invisible weight, carrying some kind of invisible scar. And Jesus sees all of that. He cares so deeply about that. And on one day when we get to heaven and He wipes every tear from our eyes and He heals every wound, you know, the pain we endured here will all make sense. But but this this armor of God, it isn't it isn't a guarantee that we're not going to get hurt. Jesus said in this life you'll have troubles. Jesus Himself. Experienced the heartbreak of abandonment by his friends. He experienced the physical torture of crucifixion. The Apostle Paul, who's writing these these words about joy and about the armor of God, you know, he wrote them while under arrest, while awaiting execution. He's a guy that experienced, you know, abandonment and betrayal by friends. He experienced physical pain, hunger, financial loss. He experienced all of that. And he says, We can keep our joy through it all, guys. And sometimes we just have to play hurt. You know, I have a friend who is an NFL player. His name's Ben Ben Utech I got, I got a picture of him. Um, he's like three feet taller than me. Uh, he, he is such a great guy. He loves Jesus, loves his family, won a Super Bowl ring with the Indianapolis Colts back when Tony Dungy was the coach, Peyton Manning was the quarterback. He's got all kinds of great stories. The thing about Ben is, is he's telling you about NFL life and telling you about his career. Even when he looked like Everything was great. He had all the, all the right pads on, all the right gear on. Almost every game he ever played, he was hurting. Somewhere on his body was in pain and he had to play through it. And then there were other times where he had to recognize that, that his injury was so severe whether it was a concussion or something else that the healthiest thing he could do was step away from the game to heal. And you and I need, need the same kind of rhythm in, in the spiritual battles that we're facing. Sometimes... It hurts and we still got to strap on those cleats and we got to get into the game. But there are other times where, where the wound is so deep that the most productive thing you can do is to step away from the game and, and just heal. You need to heal. Some, some of you here, need, you need to hear this. God, God is telling you to, to take, take a break, get the help you need. Heal, rest, get the counseling you need. Connect with loved ones that you continuing to push through when you're wounded, when you're deeply wounded, it isn't helping you. You need to give yourself time to heal. And that's, that's okay. doesn't mean the game's over. You're gonna get back into it, but you can step away. We all need those seasons. We all need that off-season time. And even during the season, the player gets hurt. You gotta, you gotta step away. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're wise. It means you don't wanna get, get, injured, get injured further, further. But just because you're wearing God's armor, it doesn't mean you're not going to get hurt. And if you're here today and you're feeling those wounds, don't let it make you grow bitter toward God. Don't let it make you feel like, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you punishing me? It's it's not a punishment. It's that we live in a broken world where there is just pain and none of us escape this world unscarred. None of us do. But one day, Jesus is going to wipe every tear from our eyes. One day when that final countdown on the game clock Goes to zero and, and all of a sudden the, the victory is ours. And the Bible's already promised the victory is ours, right? He's promised it. It's like watching a football game on DVR after the game's already happened. And while you're watching it, it feels like this is live. My team's losing. What's gonna happen? This is so stressful. But then you realize, wait a second, I already watched the highlights on Sports Center. We win. It's already decided. You watch the game differently when you know your team has already won, don't you? That's what the Bible's about. You live your life differently when you know you've already won. Jesus has already claimed victory. If you're on his team, you've won. It's decided. It doesn't mean there aren't gonna be setbacks. It doesn't mean it, there aren't gonna be moments when the other team gains some ground. It doesn't mean there aren't gonna be disappointments, but you and I, because of Jesus, we win. And that means every setback, every injury, every disappointment, every failure, every heartbreak, we can experience it with the hope and the knowledge and the peace saying, you know what? This isn't the end of the story. The end of the story is a good ending. And it's one that actually has no ending because we'll be with Jesus forever. And because of that, we experience the setbacks and the failures and the pains of this world differently than the world around us who doesn't have that same hope. All right, so how do we make room for putting on God's armor? Before you put it on, before you put on God's armor, you got you to make room for it is the next principle. You gotta gotta take off anything that is in the way of this. I can't put on football gear if I'm wearing a whole bunch of clothing and outfits of my own, right? And you can't either. So we have to be willing to take off certain things. So a few chapters earlier, before we even get to the armor, Paul was reminding the, the Ephesians, you gotta take off your old way of doing things in order to make room for what God wants to give you. He said this in Ephesians chapter four. Since you've heard about Jesus, and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, take off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, all of us have a temptation, even after we've come to Christ, even after we have experienced the grace he's given us, there's this temptation inside all of us to just slip back into old ways. You know, like, it's just like putting on an old, an old jacket that you used to wear every day. Even if you know it's not good for you, that old habit, that old relationship, that, that, that old thing you used to do, that old mindset you used to have, or you've, you've gotten way more positive, but you just, you, some days you just slip into being angry again, and, and, and it, 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 you put it on, and at first it feels comfortable. Like, yeah, it feels good to be mad. I like this. God's like, take that off. That's not what I've got for you. It's not what I've got for you. I need you to take that off. And every day, just like getting dressed is a new process every day. This is a new thing every day. I think we've gotta wake up each morning and say, what am I gonna wear today? Am I gonna wear my old way of doing things? My old attitudes? My old negative habits? My old agendas? Or am I gonna take all of that off? And I'm to say, Lord, you dress me today. You pick out my outfit. And what he's got for you is he's got, he's got this helmet of salvation. He's got this breastplate of righteousness. He's got shoes that are ready, readied by the gospel of peace. He's got a belt of truth that's holding everything together. He's, he's, he's got a good looking outfit for you. And you can wear whatever clothing you want over top of it. But that underarmor you've got underneath is going to be guarding your heart, it's going to be directing your steps because wearing certain things makes you feel a certain way. And God wants you to walk with confidence in this world, knowing that he has already equipped you with everything that you need to win life's battles. All right, one more principle before we wrap up. So not everybody who wears a jersey is part of the team, right? Like, I mean, I could wear University of Georgia Bulldogs jersey. I I got a son there. They're getting some of my money. I I can wear a jersey. Go dogs. But you know what? Kirby Smart's not interested in me. He's not, he's like, you know, we're not interested in in middle-aged guys who weren't even athletic when they were young. We're not interested in that. You can't help us. You cannot help us win. We don't want you on the team. Now you can cheer, but you're not part of the team. Maybe you feel like God doesn't really want you on the team. I I think that this is one of the biggest lies Christians believe. I can be a fan of Jesus, but he doesn't really want me on the team. I mean, what can I bring? What can I do? I'm no all-star. But the truth is, Jesus looks at you and he says, I've made you. I've got a plan. Before even the world started, I had a plan for you. And there's a a place on my team that nobody else in human history can fill. There's a jersey with your number on it and your name on it that nobody else can take. So stop letting it hang there, gathering dust. I I have got a plan for you. I want you on the team. He doesn't want you just, just cheering from the stands. He wants you in the game, you and me both to be part of the family, to be, part of, to be part of that team that's gonna last forever. So the last principle is this, to, get, to use kind of military language, before you suit up for battle, you've got to enlist, enlist with Jesus. You know, wearing a camouflage shirt doesn't make me in the army. You know, you gotta commit. You gotta say, I'm in. I'm putting my life on the line to be part of this. And it's the same with Jesus. You know, the bumper sticker doesn't make us Christians t shirt T-shirt doesn't make us Christians. Showing up to church even doesn't make us Christians. But yet the invitation's open to all of us. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, Jesus is saying, come home. Like, this is the life I created you for. You were created by God with a purpose. He has got such great things in store for you. Paul, writing to his, his young protege, Timothy, a young pastor, he reminded him of this kind of, this kind of military and team language. Paul wrote, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He said, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Which means we can't say, all right, Jesus, I'm on your team, but I'm gonna play by my own rules, right? I'm on your team, but, but I'm gonna do things my, my way. It's like, no, that's not, a, no, no coach would, would allow that. It's like, no, there's one set of rules. You've got to say, all right, I'm, I'm in. What position do you want me? Where, what do I do? How do I support the team? And there, there's a role that you and only you can play within that. So, in just a minute, we're going to wrap up. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for two groups of people. The first group are those here today who haven't yet made the greatest decision of their life, which is, Jesus, I want to be on your team. You know, I've been a fan, maybe, I've cheered from the sidelines. You know, I've, I've been an admirer of Jesus or I've kind of kicked the tires checking out the whole Jesus thing, but I've never enlisted. I've never said, I'm in. I'm putting my life on the line. My, my, my past, my present, my future, God, it's all yours. That's the most important decision you can ever make. That's the moment your life really starts. The Bible calls it being born again. And that can happen today. Second group I wanna pray for are those who've, who've already done that at some point in the past. See, so you're part of the team, you're part of God's family, you're already saved. But if you're really honest, and we've all been there, I've been there, you're not wearing this right now. Because you're wearing your own stuff, you're chasing your own agendas, you're doing your own thing. And to just have that moment, a heart to heart with God, to say, Lord, I just, I'm sorry. I've gotten off track. I want to re enlist. I, wonder, I know, Jesus, you've never left me, but I, I feel like I've been walking away from you. But, but today, Lord, I'm, I'm recommitting. I'm saying with whatever time I have left on this earth, or whether it's, it's, it's 50 hours or 50 years, God, it's, it's yours. I wanna spend my life pursuing you, living the life you have for me, and I wanna, I wanna spend my eternity with you. I'm just, I'm just recommitting to that today. And the Lord's there to receive you with open arms. Jesus isn't there wagging his finger at you. He's, he's got open arms with nail-scarred hands that he took on the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine. He's saying, just, just come home. I've got so many good things for you. Just come home. Today can be your day to come home. As I pray for you at all of our campuses, could we stand together? South, Grovetown, let's all stand together. I just wanna say, say a prayer for, for those two groups of people. So. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you've given us everything we need to win life's battles. We don't go into life's battles unprepared, unequipped. Jesus, you're with us, you're for us, you're our defender, our protector. And thank you for this armor, God, that you you give us. And forgive us, God, for all the times we don't put it on. But I know there are people here today, God, they wanna be in your family. They feel that tug on your heart, which is your Holy Spirit calling them home. And they're ready, Lord, to enlist with you. They're ready to commit their lives to you, the most important decision they could ever make. And if that's you, this is your moment. In your own words, I want you to pray a prayer like this. Jesus, save me today. Forgive me of the way that I've lived. I've lived for myself, but I'm choosing to live for you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me into the person I was meant to be and help me live out the purpose you created me to have. And God, for those who prayed that prayer, you say angels are are high-fiving in heaven over that and we are celebrating right here on earth for the new brothers and sisters who've stepped into your family. And God, for all of us here that that maybe have gotten off track and we just wanna have a a moment of reckoning, a moment of recommitment. I pray that together we pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I'm, I'm recommitting everything to you today. Forgive me for how I've gotten off track. Thank you for never leaving my side. Thank you for being faithful to me even when I was unfaithful to you. But God, today, I recommit every moment of time I have left on earth to doing all that you want me to do. Give me the courage and the strength to do it all for your glory. And for all of us, Lord, as we leave this place in a few minutes, let us leave with the peace and the grace of knowing that you're with us, you're for us, and you'll never leave us or forsake us. And we're so so thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. He's so good to us. Guys, thank you so much for being here. It's going to be a fun series all November. Don't miss a Sunday. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.